0: This is episode 169 of the Manager Track podcast. We're going to talk about dual models leaders have to navigate. Yes, not everything is as clear cut as we sometimes wished it was. We're going to talk about four specific dual models that you should be aware of. Here's the question. How do you successfully transition into your first official leadership role? Build the confidence and competence to lead your team successfully and establish yourself as a respected and trusted leader across the organization? That's the question, and this show provides the answers. Welcome to the Manager Track Podcast. I'm your host, Ramona Shaw, and I'm on a mission to create workplaces where work is not seen as a source of stress and dread, but as a source of contribution, connection, and fulfillment. And this transition starts with developing a new generation of leaders who know how to lead so everyone wins and grows. In the show, you learn how to think, communicate, and act as the confident and competent leader you know you can be. Welcome to this episode of the Manager Track Podcast. As I was saying in the introduction, there are a lot of dual models that we have in mind that we're being taught as leaders in books or on blog posts or in podcast episodes as well, <laughs> where we think there's one way to do it and one way not to do it. There's one way to be and to behave and then another way not to be. And yes, to a degree, that's true. There are some do's and don'ts for sure, and you should know about the do's and don'ts. And yet... The majority of the topics as it relates to leadership are on a spectrum. It's not about doing one or the other. And instead, it's about knowing what that spectrum looks like and then developing the ability to move to the left or to the right of that spectrum, depending on what the situation calls for. Now, I get it, having black or white situations is a lot easier, both for the learner who can say this is the way it is and this is the way it's not, right? Or as a teacher or a facilitator, it's also a lot easier for me to demonstrate something or to introduce a framework and say this is black and this is white, right? It would be a lot easier, but that's just not applicable and it's not true. And some people are more prone to be adaptable and to recognize this by default or by nature. And others of us, we like the more clear-cut way of thinking. And it's important for us to remember that that's often not the case. And then being on the lookout for that gray zone or that mid-range on the spectrum. It reminds me of learning either math or a new language as a kid. There were definitely people who loved learning French when I was in school and they had no problem with all the exceptions to the rules. And then on the other hand, they may have struggled a lot more with understanding math or even finding math interesting or fun. The way my brain worked was math was fun and math was good because there was a rule of how it worked and then you just apply the right rule and you got to the correct outcome. With French, on the other hand, I learned the rule and then quickly found out that the rule has 20 exceptions. And that drove me crazy. And I thought it was such a waste of my time and effort to even try to learn the rule when the rule would not actually apply to the thing that then would be tested later on or that I should know in order to speak French properly. So... That was sort of my mindset at the time. And I still see this today where I like black and white. I like knowing the do's and the don'ts. I really thrive having frameworks in the back of my mind that helps me make sense of information and of data points. And some other people, their brains work very differently. And you might be one of those or say like, no, I love that gray zone. I love the exception to the rule. I'm always looking for the exceptions and I'm naturally inclined to adapt and to see all the different possibilities on a range or on a spectrum. Either way, wherever you land on that spectrum, speaking of spectrums, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> knowing those dual models as a leader is important in paying attention when you might fall into the trap of thinking uh, there's one way to go about it or another way to go about it in order to be effective they're really sneaky oftentimes the stuff comes up in coaching conversations, or I read a book about something, or I read an article somewhere or a post on, on LinkedIn. And I think, ah, it just makes sense for someone to say, because it's easy. And it's a way to simplify something that's complex. Yet it kind of, in a sneaky way, leaves this impression as if there was a right and a wrong to that specific behavior or topic. And we're going to dive into some of these specific examples here in a moment. Specifically, I'm going to talk about four dual models that you want to be aware of. And when you understand the spectrums there and knowing that these are harder to navigate than other things, and you realize that your effectiveness as a leader will not come from mastering one of them, but it will come from recognizing in which situations and with whom do you need to either move to the left or move further to the right, right? And by the way, this is not about doing what's most comfortable to you or what feels most authentic to you or feels like it's your personal leadership style. That is not what we're aiming for. We're aiming to be effective. And that sometimes means that you got to do things that don't come as natural, but it is what is needed in the moment. It is what is required of you as a leader. If you've ever been to a, let's say, maybe a pilates or a yoga class, or you've done some stretching, you probably noticed that there's certain stretches that you do with your body that feel more comfortable, and you feel, oh, you look around, you think, okay, I'm average or better than average, and then all of a sudden the instructor may say, "Well, now move your leg to the right, and or you know, switch leg, or now use your arms," and all of a sudden you realize, like, whoa. I can't do this because your body's having a harder time performing that particular stretch for whatever reason that may be. Now, it doesn't mean that you shouldn't stretch. It doesn't mean that that stretch is bad for you. Now, if it totally hurts and it's painful, that's a different story. But generally speaking, it just means Ugh, you're a little rusty there. You have to actually start with a lighter load or start with a lighter stretch and then you have to gradually build up but it will be useful for the overall balance and functioning of your body to lean into that stretch. You would never say oh I can't do that well so I'm just not going to do it because it's not good for me and it's not right for me. It doesn't feel authentic to my body. We don't say that right because we understand anatomy. Now the same is true with your leadership behaviors. Just because one comes more natural to you and feels easier or feels better doesn't mean that's the right way to go. And keeping that in mind and appreciating the fact that we're all wired a little bit different and we all have different strengths and different areas that are a little rusty, I think makes this all fun, makes the human aspect of leadership interesting and is an opportunity for us to grow and expand. If you were all sort of in this cookie cutter approach, there was a clear right, clear wrong at any given time, this would be really boring. <laughs> Leading would probably be really boring instead. For us to recognize we have predispositions, we have personal preferences and so does everyone else. And if I wanna effectively lead the other people around me, I can't just do what works for me. I have to actually tune in and listen and try to identify what works best for the people around me, those that I wanna influence, those that I wanna support and help them bring out the best that they've got and help them grow and develop. And in order for you to do this effectively as a leader, yes, you'll have to work across the entire spectrum of a range of different dual models and again we're going to talk about four of them in this episode so i think i gave you a long enough intro <laughs> you're probably curious okay let's get into it. this ramona what are those four models the first aspect is the spectrum from giving advice being very directive here's what you should do and how you should do it to on the other side of the spectrum asking open-ended questions Open-ended questions are starting often with a what or a how, ideally, and they're not leading. So I'm not saying, have you talked to Samantha? That would be a leading question because I'm assuming or I'm implying that they should be talking to Samantha. Instead, an open-ended question might be, what options are on the table? What have you already tried? Who could you talk to who might be able to give you more information? How have you solved something similar in the past those are open in the questions. Now, sometimes leaders are very much on that directive advice giving path. And that's what they're familiar with. And that's what they didn't know. And that's what they do 90% to 100% of the time, whenever they're confronted with a question or a situation where someone else asking for their help. Or sometimes leaders have gone through coach training for managers or have read a book on this, and then they think they have to always ask these questions. Again, this dual mindset as if it was two different modes to operate, and it's the one is better than the other. What I suggest is it's actually a spectrum. And the more well-versed and fluid you become to navigate and apply tactics across the spectrum, the better you will be as a leader. So you may find a situation where someone's asking a question, you realize this is a moment where I have to be really directive, or you may find yourself in a situation where you think, actually, this is not on me to solve, nor do I have a full picture. The other person will be able, with my guidance or through the conversation, come to an answer and it will help them grow. It will teach them how to think through a problem like this. So I'm going to be asking open-ended questions. And of course, then there's this all the part in between where you can go, move from advice to open question or from open question to advice. That is the first one out of the four. The second one is the quick decision versus slow decision. Sometimes we're looking at leaders and we think, ah oh, they're so decisive. Or we talk about being decisive as a leader. And that is seen as the ideal way to be as a leader. The truth, though, is when we look at research and we understand neuroscience and decision making specifically, we know that sometimes we should not be very decisive and we should not be making decisions on the spot because those decisions are likely impacted by biases, by incomplete information, although that is not hard to eliminate, but we could gather more information to make more informed decisions. And they're often emotional, even if we don't think so. Even if we think that we're being very rational and logical, they're often driven by emotions. So that's one aspect. And then on the other side, there's a non-decisive approach, which could be seen as being very deliberate, being very thoughtful, being very analytical. And that can be useful at times as well. Some leaders believe that there's one way to be versus the other. So the very analytical people may think that they need to be very thoughtful. They need to always try to gather as much information as they can before they make a decision, get everyone involved, try to understand, can we reach consensus, really dig deep into the data before they're ready and comfortable making a decision. On the other hand, we have people who believe that in order to be effective as a leader, they need to be very decisive all the time and make decisions quick. Many of them (laughs) have a fast turnaround. Similar to that first fact, the first aspect of coaching versus advice giving, what actually will make you more effective is to recognize which situation will require you to act quickly and be decisive. And in which situations do you need to be more deliberate and slow things down? in order to mitigate any biases and procrastinate, really think through or gather data before you're making a decision. And each leader should be coming up with their principles and guidelines of what it calls for option one versus the other, or when is it time to sort of play across that gray zone again? When you develop these principles and you decide about your decision-making process, and maybe even help your team understand the range of different options, you and your team will become more effective. So that was the number two. As a caring and driven manager, I know you want to strengthen your leadership skills, advance your career, and lead a high-performing, engaged team. And in order to do that, as a leader, you need to lead with a system not by shooting from your hips or reacting to everyone else around you. To do so, you need to first learn what should go into a leadership system and second, develop your own. Now, the good news is that I teach you one must have part in your leadership system in a concise, actionable, and yet comprehensive course focused on running successful one-on-one meetings with your direct reports. It includes over 67 minutes of tactical leadership training plus a set of resources to make this as easy and immediately applicable for you as possible. You can either watch the video lessons or listen to it through a private podcast feed on your phone. You can get your hands on this course, which I want every single manager to have, for a nominal $19 at RamonaShaw.com 11 That's two times the number One. You can check the show notes for the details or head on over to RamonaShaw.com slash one one to get started right now. The third one is to be commanding versus getting out of the way. So we may have someone who says, I'm a leader and for a reason, I know how this should work. I have a really clear vision and I know how to execute that vision. So I'm fairly commanding in my approach and that gets everyone aligned and we're on the same mission and that works best. On the other hand, we may have leaders or you may feel like, well, no, actually, I think I should hire great people on my team and then get out of the way. I might tell them what they should do, but I won't tell them how they should do it. As I'm saying this, you may even recall a book or a YouTube video or a podcast or something that you've listened to or consumed in the past where they told you to either be one or the other. They suggested that there's one better way to to do it than the other. And just like the previous two aspects, here again, I'm suggesting that there is not one way to be that is better than the other. Instead, what will make you effective, and you know by now, is to play across the spectrum. To know when is it that you need to be commanding. and you need to be very direct and make sure everyone's executing according to the plan. And then when is it that you should get out of the way? because you trust the people that you've hired, the people on your team. And when is it the right approach for each? It wouldn't be right for me to tell you when to use which approach. Okay, number four is about being vulnerable and sharing openly what you experience and what's going on for you and maybe the challenges that you have versus showing up with great confidence and a very positive outlook. There's this idea of toxic positivity and, you know, we want to be vulnerable and we want to be open and transparent and bring our full selves to work. And that makes it a great environment for us to collaborate. And it feels like family and we're together in this, right? That may be someone's approach and someone's mindset, or that's what they've learned or read a book about it. And that's what they think they need to embody in order to be a better leader. On the other hand, Some leaders may believe no, no emotions at work. Don't put any personal things into it. Don't mix any personal things into it or personal challenges into it. My role as a leader is to cast a vision, to be optimistic, demonstrate the sense of positivity and be the confident leader at the helm of it. Both of them are useful. The question is, when do you lean into what? Right? So you're getting it. Not a dual model where it's one versus the other. It is that gray zone in between that you need to explore. Sometimes it's very useful to be that strong leader with that positive outlook and that confidence who is direct guiding the path and casting that vision. And sometimes it's useful to demonstrate some vulnerability, to connect, to be relatable, to share what's truly going on for you so others understand where you're coming from or what drives your, fuels your decisions. So again, based on my opinion and the work that I do with leaders, I never see it work out where one works versus the other. For leaders to be effective, it's always about playing across that entire spectrum. Now, what's required for you to do this? It is on one hand to understand that there is a spectrum and there isn't a right way or a wrong way. Second, it is to understand what your default habits are or your default style is So you know, by default, I am all about giving advice. So you need to open your mind up more towards the coaching aspect. And then when you realize where you might be weaker, you got to train, you got to train and develop the skill for that weaker part. Imagine at the gym, you're training biceps and triceps, and you recognize like, oh, my biceps is way stronger than my triceps. And so naturally, Anytimes I do some kind of exercise, my biceps will engage a lot more than my triceps. So then, once we know, we just have to start training the triceps to balance this out. If you are very advice giving, start developing the skill of coaching. If you are very decisive, start to figure out when and how you got to slow down your decision making approach. If you are naturally vulnerable, you might have to figure out when is it that that's actually getting in a way, and you'd be more effective if you showed up with greater confidence and a positive outlook. Same with the commanding versus getting out of the way. So again, first, understand there's a spectrum. Second, know your default. And third, balance yourself out by learning to developing the ability to be fluid on that spectrum and to lean into the different approaches based on the situation in front of you. There simply isn't just one way to lead. It is not one model that works for all situations. If you have any questions about this or if you want to further explore what that may look like for you, Let me know, send me a message or connect with me on LinkedIn or on Instagram. We will put the links in the show notes. Reach out and let me know. I always love to hear from listeners. And if you have someone else that you're working with or a friend, who is in a leadership role or is thinking about their leadership style and becoming more effective and growing as a leader, and you think this episode would be useful for them, please share it along. The more people we can inspire and provide some food for thought for their leadership development, the more rewarding this work is. And obviously, the better for everyone. When leaders grow, things get better for everyone else involved. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll be back with another episode of the Manager Track podcast next week. Ciao for now. If you enjoyed this episode, then check out two other awesome resources to help you become a leader people love to work with. This includes my best-selling book, The Confident and Competent New Manager, which you can find on Amazon or at RamonaShaw.com book and a free training on how to successfully lead as a new manager. You can check it out at RamonaShaw.com masterclass. These resources and a couple more you'll find in the show notes down below.